0: You are listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Heights Baptist Church in Alvin, Texas. For more information about our church, you can find us at heightschurch.org. We'll be praying for you guys throughout the week. If you've got a Bible with you this morning, let's go to 1 John chapter 5. And uh, 1 John chapter 5 is where we're going to be. If you've got a Bible in your hand or maybe you access that through your Bible app on your phone, let's go on and and find that. We're wrapping up a series this morning uh, through the book of 1 John. We've been kind of just going line by line. I think it's this about the ninth week uh, through 1 John. And so if you've missed any of those messages, you want to go back, listen to them. Uh, You can uh, subscribe to our podcast. And so just hop on iTunes or on Spotify. You want to search Heights Baptist Church Alvin and uh, we should be right on down the list. I think we're kind of ranked number third right now in the Heights Baptist Church out on uh, iTunes, so you'll find us pretty easy. But when you subscribe, the neat thing about that is that when you pick up your phone and you go to your podcast app, those sermons are just going to automatically download for you on your phone, so you can listen while you're out in the car uh, and catch up on anything that you miss. So thank you always for subscribing because that's going to make it easier for more people to find us the more you subscribe. Uh, and any rating you leave... So like at least five stars, okay? Don't drop below four. Email me if you need to drop below four stars. Okay, I'm just kidding. All right. But seriously, don't drop. No, I'm just All right, all right, yeah. Okay. So we've been in this series, we've called it, uh, entitled it Prove It, uh, because that's what John's talking about is how do you know that you're a believer in Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this, you can raise your hand on this, uh, just because I'm curious, how many of you have heard the name Charlie Chaplin before? Remember Charlie Chaplin? Okay, yeah, a lot of you, all right, and even a lot of the young people. Charlie Chaplin was a major movie star back in the early uh, 1900s, 20s, 30s, did a lot of the silent movies, Uh, really was a pioneer in a lot of that, helped start United. Arts. Uh, The movie company still running strong today. And one thing that's really interesting about Charlie Chaplin, he he lived a real interesting life in a lot of ways. Uh, But the legend has it that he entered a Charlie Chaplin look-alike contest one day and lost. (laughs) Did you imagine that? Entering a look-alike contest. You're the guy everybody's looking like and you lose. Yeah. You know, 73% of Americans, according to a George Barna study done in 2016, say that they're Christians. Let that sink in for a minute. 73% of those that were polled, that was over 6,000 people, said that they're Christians. Now, the interesting part of that to me was 45% of those polled said that they hadn't been to a church in six months. All right, so 73% said they were, and then out of that 73%, 45% said, well, we haven't even been into one service over the last six months. So a lot of you might probably say in here today, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Christian. But can you prove that? Can you show that? Is there, is there evidence of that? And that's what John's really just been writing about. And, and just to kind of recap all of the letter real fast, he says, look, if there, there should be proof in kind of four areas of your life. Number one, uh, you affirm the teaching of the Bible. You affirm the teaching of God's Word. You affirm the teaching, especially what it says about Jesus. That's the first kind of evidence uh, that you'd want to show. Second part is, is you show a, a growing love for God. And you show a growing love for others, right? So a growing love for God, affirming the Bible teaching, growing love for others. And fourth, a desire to obey God's commands, right? So a desire to do what God's calling you to do. And for all of us that say, yeah, we're we're believers, we're followers of Jesus, that evidence should be there. That should be showing out to other people. And so last week, what we talked about, just to recap for you, was John said that as believers in Jesus we are what? Overcomers. Remember that? That we are victorious over the world. Look in 1 John chapter chapter 5 and verse 4. So in chapter 5 verse 4, he says, for everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And so twice there, he uses that term overcomer. That's who we are. We're victorious people over the world. Alright, So sin doesn't have power in our lives anymore. Uh, we've defeated Satan. We've defeated death. Uh, we're victorious over the world's evil system that opposes the gospel. And we said that as believers in Jesus, we have this victorious life. But sometimes we feel like we're experiencing the agony of defeat. Right? Anybody else besides me this week feel defeated at times? Right? I mean, it's okay if I'm the only one. But... I'll just be honest with you. There's times this week where I was like, "Man, man, I feel like Satan's winning today." Right? I, I can't believe I just did that or I said that or, you know, I just I, I felt down. I felt like, man, you know, watching the news, I'm thinking, w- "Gosh, Satan's just got a hold on everything." Right? That's not who the Bible says we are. That we experience the victory in Jesus and not always the agony of defeat. And so this week, as he finally finishes up this letter that we're in. He's going to say that we can have confidence in our faith in Jesus. That you can live a confident life as a believer in Christ. You don't have to live a life of doubt. You can know that you know that you know you follow Jesus. And so he's going to build off this part of being victorious and saying, "Here's how you live a life of confidence." So he's going to give you this kind of three areas you can be confident in. And the first area is this: you can be confident in your prayer life. All right, you can be confident in your prayer life. Let's look in verse thirteen. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know, verse 15 says, that he hears us in whatever we ask. We know that we have the request that we have asked of Him. So John, when he starts verse 13, he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. So he's, he's writing to Christians. He's writing to strengthen their faith. He said, so I, I'm about to tell you some things to strengthen your faith because you believe in the name of the Son of God. You have Jesus. And he says, I want you to know, the end of verse 13, I want you to know that you have Eternal life. Right? Listen to me closely here. Christianity is a no-so faith, not a hope-so faith. Okay? Christianity is a no-so faith, not a hope-so faith. Right? You, you don't have to hope if you have eternal life this morning. You can know you have eternal life. You don't have to hope your sins are forgiven. You can know if your sins are forgiven. You don't have to hope. If you believe and follow Jesus, you can know if you follow Jesus. But let me ask you this, and be honest with me, so you can raise your hand on this, because I don't think I'm going to be the only one here. Have you ever doubted your salvation? Ever questioned it? Okay, all right, so we're not alone. When I was, uh, I I grew up as a church kid. I grew up in the Methodist uh, denomination, went to the Methodist church my mom grew up in. Uh, So I, I didn't grow up in this Baptist thing that we do. I grew up in Methodist. Right? And, and like, we were one of those families that we were just there all the time. You know, mom and dad, it wasn't an option on a Sunday morning. If I said, Hey, I don't want to go to church, my dad would say this Do you want to eat later? <laughs> yeah, I want to eat you later. All right, get dressed, you go going to church. I mean, that's just, I'm thankful for my faith foundation. I really am. I am thankful my parents drag me to church often. Listen, parents, I'm just going to say this still be the parent, okay? You still have say, they still live in your house, they still eat your food, you can bring them here, all right, okay, so they don't get much of a vote in that, and and I'm thankful for that, I honestly am, I I know some parents sometimes go, oh, I don't want to scare them away, or no, 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 look, just bring them here, okay, trust in the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit to change lives, all right, I'm thankful for that. When I was 14 years old, I prayed to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior one night in my bedroom just all kind of came together I call it my light bulb moment everything I'd finally you know heard it all clicked and I'm like whoa I don't know Jesus so Jesus I'm gonna I'm gonna start following you okay real spiritual prayer there wasn't it I mean just like yeah I don't know you I know you but I don't know you so I'm just gonna start following you so early in my 20s, I started reading the Bible more and more for myself, and, and I started seeing this thing that was really weird to me as a person who didn't grow up as a Baptist, that people were getting baptized in the New Testament after they placed their faith in Jesus. I was like, whoa, hang on. And so being a pretty analytical guy, I took a year, and I studied baptism, and I was like, you know what? I, I grew up in a spot that baptized babies and before salvation, but I really believe the Bible says you should be baptized after you're saved. Huh, I'm a Baptist now. Who knew, right? And so understand I'm a Baptist by conviction. That's why I'm a Baptist and just grow up in this. So then I thought, well, what kind of Baptist do I want to be? You know, there's all kinds out there. So it took another period of time. I started studying Baptists and I found Southern Baptists because they said, you know, hey, we believe the Bible is the Bible. We have a passion for missions. Cool. I can do that. So I'm a Baptist by conviction. I'm a Southern Baptist by choice. And so then I started going to this Southern Baptist church. Then I knew a lot of the kids I was teaching and coaching at the school I was at. And I had moved across town on Raleigh. And they're like, hey, coach, I know you're looking for a church. We go to this great church up the road. So, you know, I go to them. Something happened there that I'd never seen in my life. I'm sitting like you are. And Pastor Richard, man, I love Pastor Richard. He's retired now. He had a great impact in my life. I taught his daughters. And I'm sitting there, and he gives a public invitation. People come down. I was a church kid. I'd never seen one of those things in my life. It was weird, right? It's just weird, like he would say, hey, if you want to come to know Jesus this morning, I want you to come forward and, and come talk to me. We're going to have people to come pray for you, and you know you can be saved. And I was sitting there thinking, huh? I did that in my bedroom one night. Like, what? So I, you know, I'm sitting there week after week, and people are coming forward, and they're praying to receive Christ. And at the end of the service, you know, here's Timmy. He just prayed to receive the Lord. Woo, everybody cheers. You know, this is like a, it's a big church. It's like over 1,500 people. Man, it, it really threw me for a loop. I've never seen this done. So I started wondering, am I saved? So I called Richard, you know, Pastor Richard up. Hey, Pastor Richard, I need to come talk to you. He's like, what's going on? I said, I don't know if I'm saved. He's like, okay, we'll come to my office. You know, so we sit down and meet, and he goes, why don't you think you're saved? I've heard your testimony, I know who you are. I said, because I've never done it like that. He goes, what? And I said, I came to Jesus wrong. He goes, huh? I said, you know that thing you do at the end of the service? What's that called? He's like, an invitation. I didn't do that. He's like, oh. <laughs> he said, well, let me, let me just set your mind at ease. Do you believe Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of your life? Yes. You, you get your life to Christ. You're following Christ. Yes. Okay, you didn't need to do it like everybody else did it, right? So I, I share that story to say this. If you have doubts this morning, this is the perfect message for you. Because what we're going to do is we're going to keep moving through this passage and talk a lot about confidence. Because some of us come to Christ differently. Maybe it is in a church service or at a vacation Bible school. Or it's driving in your car one day and you pull over and you you heard a song on the radio or something clicks and you're like, I need you, Jesus. But what John's saying in verse 13 is this. What do you believe? What do you believe about Christ? I'm writing so that you who believe in the name of the Son of God can know that you have eternal life. And so he says, for you that know, here's where the confidence we can live out in. Verse 14, we can have confidence in our prayers. And this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. And we know that he hears us in whatever we ask. When we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. And so John addresses prayer. And he says, The prayer that God always will hear is a prayer that is prayed according to his will. All right? Now don't raise your hand on this one. But in prayer, have you often kind of asked for things and you're praying, Okay, God, I need a job, you know, we need a car fix, you know, I need healing here, I need this, I need this. Um Oh, yeah, according to your will, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, if that's what you want to. Yeah? See, I think sometimes in prayer, we tack on that little according to your will. But see, prayer is all about not getting God's will to line up with my will. Prayer is designed for your will to line up with God's will. Right? So when I'm praying, I'm praying to line my will, my desires, my wants, my needs up to what God wants in those situations. So here's some great ways you can pray according to God's will. I'm going to give you four of them. If you want to take notes, write these down on the note app on your phone, or maybe you've got room in your bullets in there. When you pray according to God's will, this is what it's going to mean. First, you pray for your character to change. Not always your circumstances, okay? You want to pray for your character to change not just your circumstances. When we often pray, what we often do is pray for circumstances. And that's fine. We, we need healing. We need the jobs. You know, you may need the new tires. You, you're praying for a circumstance. That's a good thing you need God to change in your life. That's okay. But the prayer God's always going to hear is, God, change my character. Change my character in the midst of changing those circumstances. So one way I'll pray often for you guys that are going through things I'll pray for in my life as well is I'll say, okay, you know, Lord, this person's going through a hard time and maybe it's an illness. Lord, I want to see them healed. But but as you're working, I want them to fall deeper in love with you, God. Like I want them to come to know you right now in this hard time. To know that you love them and you're growing their patience and growing their faith. See, what you're doing there is you're praying for that character as you're just praying for the circumstance. Not just the circumstance, but for your character also. You know, so Lord, man, I've got this anger problem and I really, I really don't like this person. right? I want to pray that they change their heart. <laughs> I want to pray they get right with you. Oh, yeah, and I probably need to get right with you too, God, right? I need to pray for my heart. I need to pray for my, my, my mind, my speech, my actions. So, so you want to pray for your character to change, not just your circumstance. Number two, pray for your relationship with God to grow. Right, that's a prayer God's always going to hear. God, grow my relationship with you. Lord, help me to trust you more. Help me in my patience with you. Help me to love you. Help me to grow in my relationship with you. All right? Third is here. Pray for you to be more surrendered to God. Right? Pray to be more surrendered to God. So when you're praying, God, what, what are some parts in my life I'm not surrendering over to You? What's some parts maybe I'm holding on to that I need to say, you know what? I follow Jesus, and following Jesus is a life of surrender. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that down. I'm going to release that to You, God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, Lord, I, I need to surrender this part. All right? so, so when you're praying according to God's will, We want to pray for our character to change, not just circumstances. Pray for your relationship with God to grow. Pray for you to be more surrendered. And here's the confidence that you can have in prayer. Verse 14, He will hear you. If we ask anything according to His will, He will hear you. And so this morning you can have confidence as a believer in Jesus that He hears your prayers. Now, Second part is this. You're going to have confidence in praying for others. So when you pray, according to God's will, he hears you. All right, And verse 16 says we're going to pray for others. uh, And this is what we do as believers in Jesus Christ. We pray for others. Now pick up in verse 16 with me. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death, there is a sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All right, All wrongdoing is sin, verse 17 says, but there is a sin that does not lead to death. All right? Now, you're going to be really glad you're here this morning because in verse 16, we just hit one of the hardest verses in the Bible to me. All right. And you want to probably look at your neighbor right now and go, I'm thankful I'm not Lee at this moment. Because this is to me one of the hardest verses. And when I committed to go through First John, I knew this day was going to come. I was like, man, we're gonna hit first John five sixteen. This is gonna to be tough. But you guys know me, when we move through books of the Bible, we're not skipping hard stuff, amen. All right? This isn't oh wow, that was not a good amen. That's okay. I was about to follow up with this isn't sugary stick Christianity, <laughs> right? right? We're only not, not going to just hit the, you know, the easy stuff. We're going to hit the hard stuff. I was thinking about it this way. How many of you love a good buffet, right? God bless a good buffet. How many of you just run to the vegetables at a buffet? No way. It's a couple of you. All right. We'll talk later and pray for your souls, you know? A buffet, man, I am checking out the dessert bar first. I'm grabbing the mac and cheese. I mean, you know, I'm hitting the mashed potatoes. We're hitting all the fun stuff. And then the vegetables, ah, we're going to skip it. You know? we, don't, we don't skip things here. This is kind of one of those vegetable broccoli ones. All right. So, so I want to just let you know, this, this verse is going to be hard. And that's fine. That's what we do. We just go through hard verses, and and that's my commitment to you as a pastor. Is I'm not going to skip hard things, and I want your commitment to me to say, "All right, pastor, we're going to go through the hard verses with you." Amen. All right, so here we go. We're going to just dive right in. It. He says there's two types of sin, a sin that does not lead to death. We're to pray for brothers and sisters in Christ that are committing that. All right. So verse 16. If you see. His brother committing a sin. All right, so brother there is going to refer to Christians. So if I see another Christian that's a committing a sin, not leading to death, we're to pray for them. And God's going to give them life. Right. What John, I believe, is talking about there is to say, All right, if I see a brother or sister in Christ that's kind of backslidden, they're falling away, there's a sin in their life that they're struggling with, I'm going to pray for them that God will turn their hearts and they'll turn back to God. All right, that, that's what I'm going to do. That's what verse 16 tells me to do. I think that's, that's pretty clear. I think we can all identify people in our lives with that. So to let you know at the end of the service, I'm going to really challenge you to do verse 16 right here, okay? We're, I'm going to encourage you to move at the end of the service. I'm going to give you kind of one of those public invitations I talked about earlier, and we're going to pray for people we know that need to turn back to God. All right Because all of us probably know somebody in our life that says they're a Christian but they're not living a Christian life right now, and we want to just ask we want to do what verse 16 tells us to do because we want to be people of the Bible, all right we want to and I think John's real clear on that. here's where it gets really fuzzy to me. The end of verse 16 he says to those or excuse me, there is a sin that leads to death, and I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. So before we jump into the end of verse 16, let me say a couple of words on this. First, all sin is serious. Okay, God, God doesn't love sin, and we all do not love sin. God, God doesn't play around with sin, and we all do not play around with sin. All sin is serious. All right? Romans 6.23 says sin brings spiritual death, Right. for the wages of sin is death. All right, so there's spiritual death that we need to be rescued from. And that's what, that's what Jesus does. He gives us victory over our spiritual death, over hell. All right? He says this also. As a believer in Jesus Christ, 1 John chapter 3, verses 8-9, through 9, it's impossible for you as a believer to live a lifestyle of sin. Do we as Christians still sin? Yes, but it should not be the habitual practice of our lives. So when we come to the end of this verse... I fully believe when John wrote this 2,000 years ago, the culture of that day, when he was writing it, probably went, yeah, we know exactly what you're talking about, John. But now you gap it by 2,000 years, and in our culture, we look at it and we go, what's the sin that he's talking about that we're not to pray for people on? So let me give you kind of the top three explanations on this, and I'll let you know where I land, and you may land in a different spot, but that's okay. Uh, here's where the top three kind of theologians and everybody, when you pull everybody together, think of what it is. Number one, John could be referring to a specific sin that caused physical death. So, so when he says there is a sin that leads to death, I don't say that we should pray for that. And So it's a specific sin someone's committed that led to physical death. A um, couple of biblical examples of that you can see in the Old Testament. There's Uzziah who, who touched the ark, and he died on the spot. Uh, there's Ananias and Sapphira, Acts chapter 5. Remember that story? Husband comes in. He had sold off some land. He lied about his offering. Died right there in church. Wife comes in a couple hours later. You know, they had kind of concocted this plan of of not giving God what they were supposed to give. She didn't know about husband's death. They come in, and she lies about it. And guess what happens? Right. Boy, that was an interesting church service, right? I'll wake you up. Okay, so there's an example. First uh, Corinthians chapter 11, Paul says, you know, some of you are sick. Some of you have died because you've abused the Lord's supper table. So there's some biblical examples we could go with. And, and is John saying, all right, it's someone who has committed a specific sin that God just says, look, it's time to bring you home. All right, it's just, it's time. I'm, I'm, I'm taking you out, so to speak. I want you to be careful with this because every time you get hurt, every time you get sick, every time you see someone probably unexpectedly pass away as a Christian, don't just run to this verse, okay? Let's be careful on that one, but that's what some people think. Second one is more popular, and it's maybe they have blasphemed the Holy Spirit, all right? So they blasphemed the Holy Spirit. When you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, that means in your life you have a continual, willful, Habitual practice of denying the Holy Spirit. And you're speaking against the Spirit. Now you think about Matthew chapter 12, and we kind of find support in this. Jesus has been teaching, He's been healing, He's been casting out demons. The religious leaders come to Jesus and said, Look, you have a spirit of Beelzebub. You have a demonic spirit. And what you're doing, all these things you're doing, you're not doing it by the power of the Holy Spirit, you're doing it by this demonic spirit. And so Jesus says this in Matthew 12 and verse 32. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Either in this age or in the age to come. Because remember we talked about this last week. The Holy Spirit's job is to point people to Jesus. And so Jesus is saying, look, if, if you're denying me, you're denying the work of the Spirit. If you say, I have a, a demonic spirit, you're saying the Holy Spirit's demonic. And, and that's blasphemy against the Spirit. And, and there's no forgiveness after you've done that. The third kind of explanation for this, and this is kind of where I land, is this is a total rejection of the gospel. Again, it's a person that is willfully, habitually, in their lives, deny Jesus. Right, when the gospel's presented... No, 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 no. It's just a person over time who's hardened their heart, who said no to Christ, said no to the offer of forgiveness so many times willfully and habitually that their heart is hardened. Romans chapter 1 talks about God just when that person gets to a point. We don't know what that point is, but God says when that person gets to a point, Romans 1, I'm just going to turn them over to their sin. God just says, okay. Okay that's the way you want to go, I'm turning you over. Now, I get this question sometimes, and, and, and I want to address this when we talk about this. Sometimes people come up to me and go, how do I know if I've ever done that? Right? How do I know if I've ever blasphemed the Holy Spirit? How do I know if I've hardened my heart toward God so much that He won't forgive me? How, how do I know? And, and here's my explanation. If you are worried about that, If you're thinking about that today, there's a great chance you haven't done it, okay? The reason being is the Holy Spirit's still working in you. He's convicting you of maybe that. He's pointing you back to Jesus. And so today, if you're sitting there thinking, I don't know if I've ever done this. (laughs) I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if I've hardened my heart to the point of no return. Good chances you haven't yet because the Holy Spirit's still working. He's bringing that to your mind. He's bringing that to your attention, And so at the end of the service, I'm going to challenge you again. If you don't know Christ, if you're unsure of knowing Jesus today, we're going to have people who will talk with you, pray for you, because we don't want anybody leaving today not sure of their salvation. And so we can have confidence in our prayers. We can have confidence in praying for others. And so later in our service, we're going to do what verse 16 says. We, We don't know kind of the back end of the verse and how that works, but I think we're clear at the first end of the verse when we see other Christians Committing sins, we're going to ask God to turn their lives around. Okay, so I want you to think about that person or, or people in your life that you know that, that maybe need to turn around. And then finally, you can have confidence in knowing God. Okay, let's let's wrap up here. We have confidence in knowing him. Verse 18, we know that who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. But we know who's been born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. Here's the great thing about having confidence in following Christ today you can know you have victory over sin. All right, he says in verse 18, a Christian doesn't keep on sinning. All right, so that's not the habitual practice of their lives. Yes, we are still going to sin, but 1 John 1 9 says, We come back, we confess our sin. God's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin, cleanse us of all unrighteousness. All right, so what he's pointing to in verse 18 is this, that the evil one, Satan, has no power over you now as a believer in Jesus Christ. That means this, Satan cannot take away what God has given you. If you have life in Jesus that has been given by Jesus, you're protected by Jesus, and Satan can't take that away. That's good news, amen? All right. And so he can't can't remove that. You can't lose that. If you truly have that, you've truly been born again, you're not going to be unborn. Satan's not going to take you out of God's protection. You're protected by God. You can have confidence in knowing that. Look at the second part of having confidence this morning. You can know that you belong to God. Verse 19, we know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. I love what John says there this morning. You can know that you belong to God. You can know God, isn't that awesome? I mean, you can know God personally. How do you know God? Well, you know God through the Holy Spirit. He speaks to you, He leads you, He guides you. You can know God through His Word, right? God says, "Here's what I want you to know." I wrote a book. There's 66 of them, and there's a lot in here about Me. I want you to know Me. And then He says, "Here's how I can know you." You can pray, and when you pray anything according to My will, I hear you, right? So He says, very relational. God that John's showing us. This isn't a standoffish God that's just way out there. No, God, God's saying, no, I can relate to you. I want you to know who I am. And I want to know you in a, in a personal way. Third part of confidence in walking with Christ here is he says in verse 20, you can know the truth. I love this. We know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And, and, and we are in him who is true. In His Son, Jesus Christ. He's the true God in eternal life. It says, little children, keep yourselves from idols. He's saying there in that very last verse, you can know Christ. Don't don't chase idols. You can know freedom in Jesus. Don't don't chase idols. You can know Christ. Jesus says it in the Gospel of John. If you come to know Me, you come to know Me, I'm truth. And what? The truth sets you Free, right? You can know that. You can live confidently this morning in your prayers. You can live confidently today in praying for others. You can live confidently today in knowing God and, and being able to walk with Him on a daily basis. You know, let, let me ask you this question. When you die, if you stood before God and He simply asks you a question, why should I let you into my heaven? At that very moment, God's listening to what you're going to say. What are you going to say? I mean, God's listening to you today. If you just stood right before him and said, answer your question, why should I let you in? What are you going to say? For some of you, it's going to be, well, I went to church all my life. I I, I gave a lot. I was a good person. Yeah, I wasn't like people I saw on TV. I didn't go to prison or I didn't kill somebody or I didn't do these bad things other people are doing. You know, I just I stayed ahead of my neighbor. Right? That guy didn't cut his grass enough. I did. Right? Right? Made the neighborhood look good. That guy was bad. A lot of people are gonna try to say that. The Bible says that the only answer to that question, simple, is Jesus. It's the only reason I get in christ have faith in jesus that jesus has forgiven me of my sin jesus has given me new life and the bible says in order to know that life in order to know jesus christ in a personal way have your sins forgiven be released from the power of hell uh, for all of eternity to have heaven as your home to have new life with christ as you place your faith in him that's it place your faith in him and you follow jesus in your life because when you place your faith in something, you're going to use it. You know, I was thinking about it this way. And I to explain it to you. If you think about this chair, if I come to this chair and I stand right here and I go, you know what? I have faith in that chair to hold me up. Am I placing my faith in the chair right now? Yes or no? No. Okay, I'm not. What if I lean on the chair? You know, all right, I'm leaning on the chair. Right, man, I got faith in this chair to hold me up. But you know what? I don't, I'm going to lean on the table also. Am I placing my faith totally in the chair yet? No. But if I sit in the chair, am I placing my faith in the chair? Sure, a little bit. Still not to a full degree yet. You know, I, I'm trusting right now it's going to hold me up. I, you know, I actually didn't try this out before I sat in it, so I'm really placing my faith in the chair. Um, that wasn't a uh, that wasn't a joke. I'm serious. I didn't try it out. I pulled it out during the uh, welcome time, so. Doing this all off of faith, mind you. But see, my face totally not quite in the chair yet. You know why? Where are my feet? On the ground. So if the chair fell out, I I possibly, you know, at the spry age of almost 42, could still keep myself up. (laughs) Please don't pull the chair out in front of me. See, I'm not placing my feet totally in the chair until I put my feet up. Now I'm placing my feet in the chair, Right? When you come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you come to place your faith in Him and Him alone. It's no matter what you do. It's, no, it's, it's all about what He's done. And to be a believer in Christ, once you place your faith in Him, you just start walking with Him. You Surrender your life to Him. You follow Him. Are you going to sin? Yes. But you know who to come back to? It's Jesus. And so I want you to do this this morning. I'm going to pray. And after I pray, we're going to sing. We're going to sing our two songs at the end. We're going to have our time of invitation. Okay? I want us to be a church today that does what the Bible says to do. Right? So I'm going to ask you to move. I'm going to ask you to pray. Right? First half of verse 16, we were pretty clear on that. We're going to pray for people we know that are believers that maybe aren't living the life they need to live. And we're going to pray that they turn their life around. We're going to pray that God just gets hold of their heart they're going to repent, and they're going to come back to God because we have confidence in that. That's a confident prayer because that's according to God's will. Amen? We want to, God would want to see that. All right? So maybe you want to pray for that person. Maybe there's somebody you know who doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. You want to pray, all right, God, we want you to grab their heart, and they're going to place their faith totally in Jesus today. Feet off the floor, totally trusting in Christ. All right? So I want you to move on that in a moment. For others of you, you may need to move because you're unsure that you know that Christ is your Savior. And, and I know we say this kind of often sometimes when we think about this. We're not promised to tomorrow. And, and that's that's a biblical fact. That's a life fact. Our, our life's a vapor. And I was praying for you this week. I was praying for you last night. And I just said, God, I, I, I want people to be sure today that they know they know Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. And so if you don't know, if, you're, if you know you don't know, we want you to know. If you're kind of confused on if you know, we want you to be sure, all right, that you know Christ. So during that time, I want you to come see me, or there's going to be a couple to my left. There's going to be a couple to my right. And you say, look, I, I'm unsure about my salvation. What we're going to do is we're going to pray for you. We're going to kind of maybe take you out of the room and meet you in the choir room and sit down and where it's quiet, talk, answer questions, Pray for you. Explain the gospel to you. And so others are going to be moving during that time. So don't, don't feel embarrassed about coming. All right, Because we want you to know this morning that you know Christ is your Savior. So as we're wrapping up 1 John, I think that's a great way to wrap up this series. That you know that you're confident in your salvation. And that we're praying for people, as John said, to turn their life around. All right, so let's pray together. And then I'm going to ask you to move and do what God calls us to do. Lord, I, I thank you uh, for today. I thank you for this series through 1 John. Uh, it's been very challenging to me, and I am I'm grateful for your word. And uh, Lord, I just pray right now um, that as, as we get into a time of invitation, I... I know we can get comfortable where we sit and, and where we stand, but uh, there's just times, God, I, I think we need to be on the move and, and change a location. And so, Lord, I, I pray for people that, uh, first and foremost, that don't know Jesus as their Savior. Uh, I'm, I'm confident there are some in this room today that don't know Him. And, Lord, our desire is, is for them to know Christ, for them to be forgiven of their sin released from hell for all of eternity and have new life with Jesus. Father, I want to pray today for those that don't know, if they know Christ, they're unsure, they're not living that confident life that Christ calls us to live. Uh, Lord, I want to pray for them that they'll come and talk to somebody so we can help them understand biblically how to know their salvation. And, and Lord, we have people on our minds and our hearts. You've already put them there as this message has been going on. We want to see them turn their lives around. We want to see them turn their lives over to you. And so, Lord, as we pray that, we know that's according to your will. And uh, so, Father, we want to ask that you'll change those circumstances and characters in people's lives, that they'll love you and they'll have a love uh, for following Jesus, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Heights Baptist Church in Alvin, Texas. On Sunday mornings, we have life groups for all ages at 9 a.m., followed by worship service at 10.30 a.m. For more information about how to support the ministry of Heights Baptist Church, go to heightschurch.org.